Chapter 26, Coming into the Light. As mentioned before, the beginning of the Sabbath perversions was correlating Sabbath worship with the coming of the arrival of darkness, or sundown. Even on its face, this practice would seem very problematic to any thinking person. How can you begin a celebration of the God of light with the approach of darkness? Just where did such a bizarre tradition originate? Is it in the scriptures as claimed? Speaking of bizarre and from a purely logical perspective, how on earth does it make any sense to start the day as it is ending, as taught by Saturday Sabbath keepers? After all, the coming of darkness is when we're fin we've finished our work, our day, and are going to bed. How can anyone conclude that's the beginning of the day? Again, maybe I have stupid written across my forehead because I honestly can't make sense of it. Let's look into the Jews' so-called number one proof. That evening begins the day, in Genesis 1, 4 through 5. There it says, And Yahweh saw the light, that it was good. And Yahweh divided the light from the darkness. Divided the light from the darkness. And Yahweh called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Again, he just called day light. It's been taught evening and morning here are the divisions of the two parts of our modern 24-hour day. Evening beginning the dark portion and morning beginning the light portion. But is this scripture really telling us a day as was just defined as light is instead a mix of half dark or night and half light? Or is this just read into the text by those wishing it? Let's again read verse 5, where Yahweh divides the light from the darkness, calling the light day and the darkness night. Right here, Yahweh show, clearly shows day and night are not different parts of the same thing. He goes on to divide the day, that is the light portion, into two parts, evening and morning. Again, evening is so very clearly defined as part of the light and has nothing whatsoever to do with darkness. By the way, Yom, the Hebrew word for light and day, also means hot hours, according to Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Remember, we must allow Scripture to define Scripture and not force our private interpretation into it. That's what 2 Peter 1.20 tells us. At any rate, the one thing we do not find in Genesis is proof that evening is sundown or that darkness begins the 24-hour day. In fact, the whole so-called proof can be explained away solely upon the translator's word order. It's a well-known fact that different languages arrange their nouns, verbs, and adjectives in different orders. With that in mind, as we continue to read through the first four creation days, notice the phrase evening and morning mentioned after each day. But reading Genesis 1.16 carefully, we notice it wasn't until the fourth day, that is when the two great lights were placed, the sun and the moon, were placed in the sky. This is, it says, Then Yahweh made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Again, day and night are listed here as different things. But this happened on the fourth day. If the sun was not in the sky until the fourth day, evening and morning obviously cannot mean sundown or sunrise. Those same words are said for the first three days when there was no sun or moon to create evening or morning. 
clearly Arab, which is the word translated evening, and Boker, which is translated morning, did not originally mean what they have been forced to mean now. Those words apparently originally meant the decrease in entropy or chaos and increase in clarity or order. In attempting to shed some light on the problem, we need only look a little further into the traditional celebrations of the Sabbaths of the God of Light with the coming of darkness. John 3.19 tells us that man loved darkness rather than light. How informative in understanding how the Jews and other pagan religions established the coming of darkness as the springboard for their holy time. Clearly, they worshipped the god or gods of darkness as Yeshua accused them of doing. One last item to note. If the Sabbath begins at sundown or evening, why is evening not mentioned with the establishment of the Sabbath in Genesis 2, 1 through 3? The words evening and morning are mentioned every day except for the seventh, that is, the Sabbath. Again, if evening begins the Sabbath, you would think it would have been referenced there in connection to the original Sabbath observance. Many choose to ignore what the scriptures actually say about evening and celebrating the coming of darkness in order to hang on to traditional beliefs. But a continued investigation into the spiritual implications of light versus darkness makes it impossible. Well, that is biblically. Actually, the worship of darkness was a practice in ancient Babylon where the Jews spent 70 years in exile. That's when the Babylonians kept their holy time with the coming of darkness. Knowing that, is it any surprise the Jews adopted and continued the practice of initiating sacred times with the arrival of darkness after coming out of pagan Babylon? With that in mind, Revelation 22.5 shows us a very revealing scripture concerning the new Jerusalem. That is the one that comes down from heaven. And it says there, And there shall be no night, that is darkness, there. They need no lamp or light of the sun, for Yahweh gives them light. Since this passage clearly emphasizes the absence of darkness in the new world of Yahweh, what does it say to us? His night, here and now, a good or necessary thing? Honestly, can night really be connected to righteousness or considered a sacred part of Sabbath observance? According to an apocrypha book called the Book of Eden, when Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, they had never seen darkness or night. In fact, it says their skin glowed just like Moses after coming down from Mount Sinai. Interestingly, that's perfectly consistent with the New Jerusalem. Getting back to our modern 24-hour day consisting of half darkness and half light, did it exist in the Garden of Eden or did our day come later after the infamous sin? After all, if Yahweh is light and there is no darkness in him, where did the night come from? Is it possible our 24-hour day is a mix of half light and half dark being a result of mankind's choosing to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good, that is light, and evil, or darkness? Few having spent any real time in the scriptures would deny that light is a very important subject in our spiritual walk, considering Yahweh is light and the Father of lights, as we see in Psalm 27.1. There it says, Yahweh is my light and my salvation, i.e. Savior, in whom I shall fear, that is, respect. 
And then in James 1.17, it says, And every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That is, there's no darkness, not even shadows. Also in John 1 verse 5, it says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God, or the Yahweh the Father, is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Again, that's John 1, 5. The message of these scriptures is indisputable. Yahweh the Father is light, and of course, life, and there's no darkness, that is death, in him. Yet how strange so many savagely cling to the need, uh, that is the Jews and some Christians, to honor and include darkness in their assumed worship of the God of light. In fact, how is it even, how could it even be possible to honor or worship the God of light with darkness? Again. But then, who is our Father anyway? Is he Yahweh, the Father of light? Or the same Father Yeshua told the Pharisees they were of in John 8:44. That is the devil, i.e. darkness. Well, there is one who's full of darkness, who charades and sells itself as a bringer of light to this world. It has come with the assumed name Lucifer, which means light bringer, but in truth is only peddling a dark lie. The actual name in Isaiah 14 is Hallel, that is the dragon, even though it coerced Jerome in, when he was translating his Latin Vulgate into translating its actual name into a name meaning just the opposite. Its real name loosely means God of death or darkness. It's Hell's influence that has caused men to love darkness where they can hide their evil deeds. Those loving darkness go to great lengths to justify and retain their worship of darkness. The devil has been so clever persuading people to worship darkness while believing they are worshiping light. That said, just how was the devil able to bring darkness into the world and sell it in such a wholesale way to mankind? Well, we find the answer to that big question in Genesis 1, where the chief or the archangel of darkness found an opportunity to use private interpretation to deceive Adam and Eve and mankind into mixing darkness and light, that is, truth and lies, into one package. This creature sold mankind the mix of light and darkness when it lied to Eve and persuaded them to partake of its good and evil fruit or knowledge. This was where mankind literally embraced the mix of darkness, that is the ways of the dragon, and light, that is the way of Yahweh. Again, let's not forget what 1 John tells us. In him, that is Yahweh, there is no darkness. Obviously, in Yahweh's garden, there could not have been any darkness, which could only have occurred after the lie was accepted. Remember what the book of Eden tells us, that Adam and Eve had never seen darkness until after they were expelled from the garden. Again, that concurs perfectly with the prophecy of the New Jerusalem in Revelation 22.5. That is Yahweh's new home on earth, or the new garden of Eden. And it says there, And there shall be no night there, they need no lamp or light of the sun, for Yahweh gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Obviously, wherever Yahweh is, there can be no darkness or death, whether it's in the Garden of Eden or the New Jerusalem. Let's read a few more scriptures contrasting Yahweh's righteousness with light and darkness as evil. Psalms 119.130 tells us, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. 
Then in Isaiah 2, 5, uh, O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of Yahweh. Light of Yahweh. Adding to it Proverbs 4, 18, But the path of the just is like the shining light that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Reading these scriptures, it's overwhelmingly clear that darkness and light, that is wickedness and righteousness, have no association with each other. Everything connected to Yahweh is light and life, and everything evil is connected with darkness or death. Isaiah 5.20 tells us, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light. Wow. Darkness for light. And light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That scripture directly addresses those who would have us believe Yahweh's Sabbaths are celebrated with the coming of darkness. But there's more. Job 24.13 tells us, There are those who rebel against the light. They do not know its ways, nor abide in its paths. Adding to that is Job 24.16, where it says, In the dark they break into houses which they mark for themselves in the daytime. They do not know the light, i.e. Yahweh. Celebrating Yahweh's Sabbath with the arriving of darkness is an absurdity. Illustrating that, pun intended, Yahweh's temple was never to be in darkness. A light was to always be kept burning, which of course is a picture of Yahweh's presence or spirit. We see that in Exodus 27, verse 20, where it says, And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, to cause the lamp to burn continually. That continuous light burning was again showing Yahweh's spirit would never be extinguished until, of course, he leaves as he did just before the Babylonian captivity. But he's returning, as we see in Isaiah 24:15, where it says, Therefore glorify Yahweh in the dawning light. He comes in the dawn. He brings light, not night or darkness. Isaiah 58, 8 then adds to that with more assurance of his return. And it says, Then your, that is Yahweh's light, shall break forth like the morning, not night, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of Yahweh shall be your rear guard. Matthew 4.16 goes on to add more in the New Testament. The people who sat in darkness or night have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and in the shadow of death, light has dawned. That, of course, is a reference to the return of prophecy of the return of Yahweh's Spirit. It's amazing to see so many scriptures associating light and dawn with the return of Yahweh's Spirit. That's just the opposite of the current Jewish and Messianic Jewish people celebrating God with the approach of darkness. Contrarily, not only is Yahweh light and to be honored with light, but we ourselves are to be light as well as we see in Isaiah 58.10. There it says, If you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as noonday. Matthew 5.14 adds more in the New Testament. You are in the light of the world, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 16 adds a little more. It says, Let your light so shine before men that you they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
And then another in John 12:36 says, While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. That is Yahweh. We can go on and on with scripture showing us that we are to associate light and to walk in the light, but to best understand, we need to examine the other side as well. So let's take a stroll on the dark side, beginning with who the author of darkness is, where Ephesians 6.12 gives us our first clue. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. The rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Continuing in John 3.19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Again, evil loves to hide in the darkness. Proverbs 4.19 goes on to add, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. At the risk of redundancy, there are some additional such scriptures beginning with 1 Corinthians 6.14, where it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? How more clear can it be that we cannot mix light and dark, or day and night, righteousness and unrighteousness, or good and evil? Ephesians 5.11 adds even more. It says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Romans 13.12 goes on to tell us, The night is far spent, the day, that is, Yahweh, is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness or night, and let us put on the armor of light. After reading these clear scriptures, upon what possible conclusion can we arrive except to hate darkness or death and to love light that is eternal life again ephesians 5 8 tells us for you were once darkness but now you are light in yahweh walk as children of light thessalonians 5 5 tells us you are all sons of light and sons of the day you are not of the night nor of darkness wow these scriptures just go on and on John 8, 12 adds even more. It says there that Yeshua spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And of course, that includes immortality. The evil ones have done their very best to keep mankind in the dark, that is dying by feeding us darkness. That darkness is fed in the form of hateful, evil, and disrespectful behavior, which shockingly has been accomplished primarily through religion and private interpretation of Scripture. But their allotted time of hiding in and teaching darkness is soon coming to an end. 1 John 2 8 tells us, Again, a new commandment I write to you, which is, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness or death is passing away, and the true light, that is immortality, is already shining. The dawn of the new age of light or immortality is just around the corner for those seeking it. That is Yahweh, with all their heart, soul, and mind. Father, light, or immortality is coming. By stripping mankind of the understanding of Yahweh's special feasts, humanity has been denied 
been denied the basic understanding of what he's doing and has already done. The real truth of Yeshua's first century coming was simply preparation for the main event, that is, the final coming of his father as the only supreme ruler of the universe. By replacing the original sacred names in the Bible scriptures with pagan or false names and titles, it's been easy for the churches to delude their congregations into believing the mother of all lies, which is just who is coming as sovereign of kings and sovereign of lords. In fact, Zechariah 14 prophesies the day of the Lord, of course, is Yahweh. They mistranslated or changed the name from Yahweh to the Lord. The day of the Lord is, in the original, the day of Yahweh, not Jesus or some generic Lord. By falsely rendering Yahweh's name Lord, they can make this one coming in power anyone they want. This mistranslation effectively robbed people of the truth, which is, it's the Father, Yahweh, who is the one coming to put down or subdue the nations and to rule with the rod of iron. That's Revelation 19.15. In connection to that Zechariah prophecy is another in Isaiah 24, which speaks of a major destruction coming that has been come, come to be known as the Great Tribulation, or nemesis in reality. Considering the context of that chapter, it's most interesting to see it ends showing Yahweh reigning from Jerusalem. It says uh, that for Yahweh will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his elders gloriously. It is not God, Jesus, or even Yeshua, but Yahweh.